As we listen for the voice of God, let's pray. Holy God, through Christ Jesus, you bring the light of the gospel into our lives as grace revealed. Help us to guard this treasure and to share it with others too, so that the faith that has lived in our ancestors and now lives in us may come to life in every new generation. We pray with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us, amen. Our first reading is about Jerusalem's suffering from Lamentations chapter one. Oh no, she sits alone, the city that was once full of people. Once great among nations, she has become like a widow. Once a queen over provinces, she has become a slave. She weeps bitterly in the night, her tears on her cheek. None of her lovers comfort her. All her friends lied to her. They have become her enemies. Judah was exiled after suffering and hard service. She lives among the nations. She finds no rest. All who were chasing her caught her right in the middle of her distress. Zion's roads are in mourning. No one comes to the festivals. All her gates are deserted. Her priests are groaning, her young women grieving. She is bitter. Her adversaries have become rulers. Her enemies relax. Certainly the Lord caused her grief because of her many wrong acts. Her children have gone away captive before the enemy. Daughter Zion lost all her glory. Her officials are like deer that can't find pasture. They have gone away frail before the hunter. Our second reading is Psalm 137. Along Babylon's streams, there we sat down, crying because we remembered Zion. We hung our lyres up in the tree because that's where our captors asked us to sing. Our tormentors requested songs of joy. Sing us a song about Zion, they said. But how could we possibly sing along the Lord's song on foreign soil? Jerusalem, if I forget you, let my strong hand wither. Let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I can't remember you, if I don't make Jerusalem my greatest joy. Lord, remember what the Edomites did on Jerusalem's dark day. Rip it down, rip it down, all the way to the foundations, they yelled. Daughter Babylon, you destroyer, a blessing on the one who pays you back the very deed you did to us, a blessing on the one who seizes your children and smashes them against the rock. that. I make Mary read all the rough verses so I can be the good guy. Our gospel reading this morning comes from the book of Luke, chapter 17, verses 5 through 10. The apostles said to the Lord, 
increase our faith. The Lord replied, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Would any of you say to your servant, who had just come in from the field after plowing or tending sheep, come sit down for dinner? Wouldn't you say instead, fix my dinner, put on my clothes, put on the clothes of a table servant and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you can eat or drink. You won't thank the servant because the servant did what you asked, will you? In the same way, when you have done everything required of you, you should say, we servants deserve no special praise. We have only done our duty. I have a confession. I was raised a Lutheran, if you did not know that yet. And in being raised in the Lutheran church, what was ingrained through confirmation over and over was this idea of being saved by grace alone through faith alone. Every Lutheran should probably have that tattooed on them in some respect. It is an important cornerstone of Lutheran theology, and I believe it's absolutely true. However, an unintended consequence of that being so forcefully presented is we tend to ignore everything else. Grace is a free gift. That's absolutely true. However, in many places in the Bible, there seem to be some requirements of us. We get this free gift, but it's not like God says, so do whatever you want. It's all fine. For the disciples following Jesus, they were faced with a burden, a duty in following Jesus and in being a disciple. Jesus was teaching them, and at the time they didn't understand it, but Jesus was teaching them knowing that one day they would take over. They would be the first messengers of the gospel. They would be the foundation of the church. Now, a lot of times, they didn't understand. They didn't understand what that was about. They didn't understand what was coming. But they were faced over and over again with their own shortcomings. I can't imagine a day happened where all of a sudden they felt ready to take over or like they were fully equipped to handle everything coming at them. And then Jesus throws a passage like this at them. The title in my Bible says, Faithful Service. What does it mean to serve faithfully as a disciple? As humans, we tend to focus on reward for our behaviors. When we do something good, we expect something good in return. If we do something bad, we expect something bad in return. That's kind of how we operate. But Jesus is challenging that idea. It is true we receive this free gift of grace that comes from God. It flows abundantly to us. And also God expects much of us. 
It's both and. It's both a free gift and tremendous duty that is expected of us as followers of Jesus. A lot of times we like to skip that second part. I've been guilty of that, of downplaying the fact that Jesus expects things of us, that God has placed expectations on us that are vital. But this goes all the way back to the Old Testament. The law was about expectations, not a salvation. It was about the community and what was best for the community and the expectations of the people in that community. And the law was a system to try and keep them united. For us who aren't under the law, we also have requirements of us to keep us in community, to keep us united as people. And we have done a horrible job with that in the history of the church. At some point I'm gonna bring in, it looks like a subway map of the Presbyterian church and all of the splits and reunifications and how many times we've split over the years. Just the Presbyterian church in America. Take that to 2,000 years of global church history. And unity doesn't look like a big priority for Christians. In fact, it looks like we come across something we disagree with and the first response is to say, well, I'm out of here. I'm going to go find people that think just like me, and I'm going to go there. We lose the sense of duty to being disciples, to being the church. And we expect reward if we should happen to accomplish something. Christians, as we seek to follow Jesus, are in an unenviable position. If we truly try to stay in this space of being peacemakers, of being the ones to bring people together, being the ones to serve others first and set aside our own desires and our own wants, if we truly try to live in that space, the world's not going to like it. Our world is all about divide into groups, and we're worse than ever at this. It's gotten to the point where people are moving to different states because of their politics. They are selling their houses and moving across the country to be in a place around people who agree with them politically. It's called the great sort. It's happening in churches too. People are leaving churches, it's happened here, and they are going to other churches to be with people who agree with them. That's not the work and the duty that Jesus is talking about here. That's not what God expects of us as Christians. And that's not faithful service. What we have been given by God in this image of the mustard seed, if you've ever seen a mustard seed, they're tiny. I've never seen a mustard plant because I don't think they grow anywhere near us. 
but they were abundant in Jesus' place and time. And this tiny little seed would produce this large plant. So Jesus oftentimes used this analogy that if your faith was just that big, you could accomplish anything. Which can do one of two things for us as we read that. We can feel really bad about ourselves going, well, if I tell this oak tree to move, it's not going anywhere. So what does that say about my faith? Jesus says this mulberry tree would go and uproot itself into the sea, if I would say so. The other example is, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can tell a mountain to move, and it will obey. The point Jesus is making here is not to make us feel bad about our lack of faith. The point Jesus is making is that we have been given everything we need to serve God faithfully. We have been given enough faith. We have been given everything we need to do the work we're called to. Not as individuals, but as the church. We need one another. We don't need an increase in faith. The idea of duty and responsibilities can seem daunting to us. We like the idea of this free gift given from God, and it is a free gift. However, as the book of James reminds us that we're going through on Wednesday nights, if we never take that next step to the doing part, we've never truly begun to live out what faith means. If we never take this free gift that God has given us of faith, of forgiveness, of mercy, of love, if we never take that and then embody the duty it is to go out into the world and to serve faithfully, have we truly accepted that free gift? Are we still trying to earn God's love? hoping to be praised if we do the things God expects of us. If you had the faith the size of a mustard seed, we have the faith. It has been given to us. Now go and do what God expects of you. Go love abundantly. Go serve others before yourself. Go offer compassion and kindness in a world where there is none. Go seek to unite people at the expense of your own personal comfort and feelings. Go risk of yourself to usher in the kingdom. Because if we aren't out there risking of ourselves, if we aren't out there uncomfortable in our daily lives, we're not doing what God expects of us. Because God always pushes us outside of what's comfortable. The disciples are an example of that. Jesus is an example of that. We are to be examples of that for the world. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Community Presbyterian Church in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. 